Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, right. Yes, we are looking at the disciples this term. Um, and so I suppose, if I'm honest, this is going to be a bit more teachery than preachery. Because if we're going to look at their characters and their mannerisms and their personalities and how they responded and reacted in different situations, see what we can learn from it, then we're going to have to kind of study them. So today, it's Thomas. Um, I picked what I thought was the, the one passage that everybody would, would know about Thomas and would kind of mentally link to him. Um, and I must be honest, when I was given Thomas, I thought, oh, like, you know, he's not my favourite disciple, if I'm really honest. Um, but it made me think, what is his primary attribute? What do we think of when we think of Thomas? Do we think of Thomas the disciple? Do we think of Thomas the apostle? Do we think of Saint Thomas? Or do we think of doubting Thomas? I think if most of us are honest, we probably think of doubting Thomas. Perhaps that's a bit unfair. Maybe we think of him as slightly inferior, a bit wobbly, his faith levels. He was the one that was questioning. So basically, I'm going to look at Thomas because the Holy Spirit has put that scripture there for a reason. There is something for us. There is something from this person, from this man that we can learn. And I'm going to look at Thomas under three headings. Thomas, the questioner. Thomas, the doubter. And Thomas, the believer. So the first bit, Thomas, the questioner. I'm going to look back at his first encounter, at our first encounter with Thomas. And that's in John chapter 11, verses 5 to 16. I'm going to read it to you so you've got the scene set. So just close your eyes and enjoy. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, because they've got no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, then he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. And the reality is, the last time Jesus had gone to Judea, they'd tried to kill him, they'd tried to stone him, and this was seriously dangerous. This wasn't pretend dangerous, this was seriously dangerous. And Thomas nailed his colours to the mast and he showed his loyalty. 
Thomas turns around and he says, let us go that we may die with him. Thomas knew that Jesus was determined to go and Thomas was determined to go with him, even if it meant a beating, even if it meant death. So we've got Thomas loyal, a loyal Thomas here, and we've also got a learned Thomas, because Thomas here is putting into practice Jesus' words. We've got learned Thomas. Thomas listened to when Jesus spoke. Back in Mark, in chapter 8, Verses 34 to 35, Jesus said, Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So Thomas is putting into application what he's learned. He listened when Jesus spoke. And that raised questions in my mind. Are we loyal? Are we that passionate? Are you prepared to follow Jesus through the thick or thin? The reality is it's really easy to follow Jesus when it's all rainbows and flowers and dancing ponies and everything's good and life's just tickety-tickety-tickety-tick. Good. <laughs> but when it's, when it's difficult, when you're challenged, and the reality is, leaders will tell you, people who are there on the front line, there's a lot of stuff thrown at you, and it's hard. <coughs> Just stand there. Do you, do you hang in with Jesus when the going gets tough? Or do you get going? Do you bail? When the pressure's on, can you stand the heat, and can you stand your ground, and can you stand by Jesus? Still looking at the Thomas asking all the questions. I'm going to jump forward and I'm going to read a little bit more scripture. I'm not going to apologise because it's scripture. Um, in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7, we meet Thomas again. And I'll read you the scene. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I, where I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. The reality is, Thomas was confused. But Thomas would rather be next to Jesus in his uncertainty than away from him. Thomas here isn't a wobbly Thomas. He's a wholehearted Thomas. He's prepared to go all the way. He's prepared to stay with him. And let's face it, Jesus didn't give him the, the, most, the easiest answer. You know, he, you know, 
Jesus could be very evasive with his answers. I think Thomas wanted a road map, you know, and Jesus came back to him with, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you know. And it's a bit like in the passage before when, um, you know, the, the disciples are saying to Jesus, you know, we're gonna get, we could get killed. And he's going, well, we can walk by, day, by daylight. We'll walk out. We'll, be, okay, we'll get there fine. We're walking in the daylight. Jesus, he never really answered them exactly what they wanted to hear. He was quite, he was, quite, he, he, he was, he was on a different level when he was speaking to them. But the bottom line is, Thomas was confused. And his question he hadn't really got an answer for. But he was still prepared to hang in there. Which brings me on to Thomas the Doubter. The passage that Tina read. There was an in-between week. Um, the doubting week. Basically, Jesus had turned up and he'd shown himself to Mary and then he'd gone into the upper room and he'd, and he'd walked into the room and there were 10 disciples there. All of the disciples, obviously, bar Judas and bar Thomas. It's a week later when he turns up and 11 of the disciples are there. And if you think about that in-between week, that would have been really challenging for Thomas. He could have felt quite left out, not quite one of the gang anymore. He must have had lots of questions going through his mind. I imagine the other disciples walked around with a real sense of joy and a real sense of peace. They'd seen Jesus. And I just imagine them walking around like, you know, when someone's just fallen in love and bombs can go off and everything's going to be fine, we're all happy. And there's Thomas with his head full of these questions. How can it be? How can it be when he was crucified, you've seen him? And I put myself in Thomas's shoes and I thought, how would I feel about it? If all these ten had seen him and I hadn't, and I put down, I would have asked, why the suspense, Lord? Why, when you walked out of that room the first time after the ten, didn't you come and find me? and say, it's okay, Sue, it's okay, Sue. I've shown myself to them, I've shown myself to you. I would have asked that question. And you can imagine the other disciples, oh, Thomas, you should have been there. You know, if that was me, I probably would have wanted to punch them. <laughs> but the reality is, Thomas refused to say that he believed what he didn't. And I think that's quite brave. He didn't go with the crowd. That's another thing that actually is really quite brave. He didn't ignore his doubt. That's brave. He struggled with it. He wrestled with it. He fought it. But I think he was prepared to ask the questions that the others were perhaps thinking two weeks before, before they'd seen Jesus. I mean, think about it. Jesus shows himself to Mary, former prostitute, a woman in that culture. And Mary goes up to them and says, I've seen Jesus. You're telling me none of them doubted. None of them doubted. But did they have the guts to raise the question? Thomas asked questions. Do you remember when you were at school and there was always an irritating kid in the class? The kid that kept... Pausing the, pausing the lesson, asking the questions. And then just to add insult to injury, they always got top marks. But if you don't remember that kid, you were that kid. 
but I remember that kid. But the reality is we've got something to learn about that, about pushing through, about questioning, about, about just keep, keep going, keep looking, wanting clarity. The reality is Thomas desired a deeper personal relationship. And again, this raised questions for me here and now. Do I stay silent rather than embarrass myself? Rather than look silly and ask questions? Does my pride and reputation, is it more important than me understanding something? I said to John actually on the telephone, I watched um, a documentary on Princess Margaret this week, I think it was the second half, and um, she was in her 50s, it was kind of post her split and her affair and everything, and she'd gone to stay with a friend in the country, and it was this country house, and I mean, it, it was huge, but she said it was so small that she couldn't take a lady in waiting. So she turned up, and they were interviewing the friend, and they were asking her about Princess Margaret, because it was a documentary about her life. And she, she, she told this story about, and she recalled about the once when Princess Margaret turned up and she, she shouted at her and she said, quick, quick, come to the kitchen, quick, quick. And she said, well, what's wrong, what's wrong? She said, you, can you show me how to use a kettle, how to work the kettle? And she said, she'd like, you know, tip the water in, then you plug it in and then you turn it on. And the reality is this was Princess Margaret in her 50s, not Princess Margaret that was five. And I, I thought, how have you navigated life and not been able to turn the kettle on? But the reality is it got, probably got to a point where it's, it, it's quite embarrassing to ask because it's so basic. And Thomas here, he wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't worried about being vulnerable and showing that he was vulnerable. He wasn't, he wasn't scared to ask. I think as well, what he asked, I felt gave me a bit of insight into the day. I mean, he said, as, as Tina read out, you know, I want to touch the nail marks in his hands. I want to touch his side. And that's a bit gory. You know, if that was me, I'd like want to stroke his cheek or brush his hair. But he actually wanted to, to touch the nail prints. And I thought, why? Why would he do that? Because, like, you know, I can't leave it alone. I've got to really know why. And I thought, well, the reality is that that was probably the bit of the day, that was the bit of the crucifixion that really stuck, that really got to him. That when he watched from afar, those nails being hammered through his friend's hands, that was the bit that stuck. I mean, they've proven that your memory are linked to your emotions. So when we have... When we remember that amazing Christmas when we were 10 and we had a bike, or that amazing holiday when you went scuba diving or horse riding, because your emotions are swung one way or the other, and it happens the other way, when we're bereft, we remember it really clearly. It's because our emotions and our memories are so clearly link are linked. I think Thomas's question, I want to touch, I want to touch his neck. I've got to touch that. I've got to, I've got to know that that's the same Jesus walking around that was, that was, that was nailed to the cross. I think emotionally... The scene of those nails being hammered through Jesus' hands hit Thomas hard. I think it, it gives us an insight as to the bit he couldn't, couldn't forget, the bit of the day that we played through his mind again and again. But to move on to the third bit, Thomas the believer. 
Yes, Thomas doubted. Yes, Thomas asked questions. But the reality is, the doubt was the ticket to the next leg of his journey. Post the crucifixion and the resurrection, Thomas was the apostle and the missionary that went round India. It's said that the first church that was built by Thomas, it said that he built it with his own hands. He, he became a carpenter and he actually physically built it. I can't validate that. But the reality is, from the writings of the early church fathers, from Ambrose, from Gregory de Tours, they, they, they all talk of Thomas going around India, going out there, telling everybody about Jesus. Thomas worked out his faith. His faith level had gone right up and Thomas went out there and Thomas worked it out. One of the favourite, well no, my favourite bit of looking at Thomas and looking at, looking at his character and his reactions was in the bit of scripture where Tina read it and it said in verse 28, Thomas touches his nail prints, touches his side and Thomas says, my Lord, my God. And that's really significant because in the first century, Lord was a title reserved for Caesar in the same way we'd say somebody lorded it over us or they're Lord of the manor. But Thomas, for the first time, gives Jesus the highest praise and he says, my Lord, my God. He is, his, his level is higher. He's, 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 he has recognised that he has had a personal encounter with God. His questions, his probing, his doubting gave him the greater revelation. You know children when they ask the why question? Any parent that's got kids will know about this. When you can do absolutely anything like... I'm going shopping, why? Because we need food, why? Because we need to eat, why? Because it fuels our body, why? And like you've got there and you just forgot your shopping, you forgot the list, because it's like why, 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 why? I have more patience now with, with children that ask the why question because I recognise the importance of persevering and Thomas persevered. Thomas needed to believe not because of other men's words, but because God himself had revealed it to him. So, I'll conclude. I think, Thomas, we could perhaps rename. We could rename him Honest Thomas, or Thomas the Realist. He was real in the face of danger. He was real about the resurrection. He wanted to know. He wanted to believe. It's interesting because by the time I got to this part of my notes, I was calling him Tom. I felt like I personally knew him. I felt like he was a close mate. But I think the most important thing that Thomas taught me, and this might not be the same for you, but this was the most important thing that I, he, he actually taught me, was that faith and doubt go hand in hand. Faith isn't knowledge. We say that we have faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. 
the reality is that doubt isn't the opposite of faith, it's part of it. Like Thomas, don't we all crave a spiritual experience? Don't we all want that moment of clarity? Thomas was very honest. His vulnerability, the fact that he wasn't prepared to look through, the fact that he was prepared to say, I, I, don't, I don't believe this. He was honest, and I think that that honesty was attractive. So why did the Holy Spirit put this, this in the scripture? Because, I mean, I feel a bit sorry for the guy now, because he has been known as Doubting Thomas for like 2,000 years. But when Jesus answers Thomas, he says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think Jesus is not so much rebuking Thomas, he's blessing us. And I think we can be thankful to Thomas because through, through him we have had a blessing. That's me, that's you, that's you. We've been blessed. I think we're indebted to Thomas. I think actually, whereas perhaps I maybe thought he was a bit of an inferior disciple to begin with, I think he was the model disciple. John closes his chapter right at the end when he's writing. And he says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And that through believing him, you may have life in his name. Mm, amen. Good one. John is saying that basically what happened to Thomas is what he wants and hopes will happen to us. That pushing through, that probing will give us a greater revelation and then fire us on to do greater missionary work. Amen.